Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where every pizza dog, spoiled rich girl, and carny-turned-superhero is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant a story may seem. I'm Michael. And I'm Mandy. And this looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so, yeah, we're talking about Hawkeye today. Um, a very particular, not just the character, but specifically the recent Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye. Um, and it's pretty fantastic as someone who was never interested in Hawkeye, the character before. I, yeah, I have a, a large interest in Hawkeye and honestly, I don't know now how much of that is because of, uh, this comic and how much of it is because of, uh, other Hawkeye fans in my life, because I feel like that all started at the same time. So it's hard to, uh, uh, distance it might just be because of the Matt Fraction. <laughs> it's, yeah. The, it, so I remember the first time I heard about this particular comic, uh, it was on The Incomparable, uh, a podcast that I really, really like and that I've gotten you to listen to. Um, and uh, they were talking about various comics, and one of the guys who I think was new to the show had just mentioned that he was he was reading Hawkeye, and everybody on the podcast was like, wait, Hawkeye? What? And he's like, no, no, it's really good. And within, uh, by the time, next time they recorded anything about a comic, all of them were reading Hawkeye and loving it and tweeting about it. And so, of course, by then I had had to start. Um, yeah. I honestly can't remember if I picked this up because of you or because of uh, my friend uh, uh, Erica. I don't know at this point. It could have been either. <laughs> I vaguely remember mentioning it to you before you started but that you had also heard about it from other people. So I don't think, like, I think you were just hearing kind of a bunch of people say that you needed to read Hawkeye. Um, but it might Which not be true. So. Who, who knows? It's, it's all in the recesses of history. All that matters now is that uh, Hawkeye is my second favorite Avenger. So because of this. <laughs> yeah, so for, uh, for anyone who has not read this, um, this is... It, again, it's Matt Fraction is the author, and there's a whole slew of artists involved with it. But it started with uh, da David Aha. Uh, uh -huh. I, yeah, I believe David uh -huh. it's Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah, AJA. Um, and uh, how many issues was this? 24? 22, I thought. Yes, you're right. 22 issues of the actual comic, and then there's one Young Avengers issue, and there's a, an annual, annual issue. So 24 total. It looks like two years of comics, but if you read it live, you know it was not two years. <laughs> it was not. Scheduling was a mess, um, but quality was high. And it, it's just the premise of it is illustrated well in the second page um, where it says uh, – Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, became the greatest sharpshooter known to man. He then joined the Avengers. This is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. That's all you need to know. And it's hysterical and touching, and Clint Barton is a mess, and it's just great, and you love him. I honestly think that's the greatest premise for a comic, and I actually wish they'd do that more often with other superheroes. Just like, this is what they're doing when they're not being an Avenger. You know, when they're out of costume, like, could you imagine a Captain America uh, comic that was, this is what Captain America does when he's not in costume. It doesn't mean he's not saving people, as we also see from Hawkeye, right? But these are 
because these are superheroes. Saving people is in their DNA. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just means that even out of costume, they're doing things. With Hawkeye, though, that means uh, he doesn't necessarily have the same moral guidance of Captain America. And it's not that Hawkeye is a bad person. It's just that given a decision, he often makes the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. If this was a, an exam where every question was true-false and you had a 50-50 chance of getting the right answer, he would choose the wrong answer on every one. And it's not because he's not well-intentioned, and it's not because he's not smart. It's just Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's uh, the, the issue. The art is fantastic in the, in the comic as well. Um, just... There's something about it. Um, I, I guess we'll get into specifics of the art. Um, if you do, uh, if you do read it, I hope that you'll come away with a greater affection for the color purple uh, <laughs> than you already have. Um, you can't not. I know both of us have purchased Hawkeye shirts because of this comic, um, specifically around this comic. Yes. So I have at least three. I only have the one, but. Uh, <laughs> But I am not really a Hawkeye fan. I'm a fan of this particular Hawkeye comic. So it's not that I dislike Hawkeye or anything. I just still don't have particular affection for the character beyond this version of it. But, you know, which is fine. It's just this version is really convincing. And I've gotten so many people to read it. Um, And in it, it contains probably one of my favorite issues of any comic ever. But you have to get to it. I, I, I don't really tell people. I was like, look... You need to read it, and you need to get there, because I'm not going to tell you which issue you need to read uh, without. I don't want people reading it out of order. Um, so I suspect I know what your favorite issue is, but yes. I don't think it's my favorite issue. That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, but they're both really good issues, uh, our favorite issues. And I think the reason why they're so great is because they kind of turn comic books upside their head, which is one of the great things about Hawkeye, is that as a comic, not the character... Uh, Matt Fraction and uh, David Aha, uh, they did they did things that hadn't been done before, uh, and just really pushed forward the genre. Even though some people might just be like, "Oh, it's just a superhero comic." In fact, it's just a superhero comic about like the one Avenger who's not even super. Uh, how could it be that interesting? But even if you don't like Hawkeye, even if you don't know anything about the Avengers, this really does interesting things that the comic book genre hasn't necessarily done before. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. So that was total uh, total agreement on that. Um, I guess we could start off by talking about just how the beginning of the comic pulls us into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, assuming we're talking about issue number one and not yes. The Young Avengers Presents. Though, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, briefly on The Young Avengers Presents, that may be how I got into Hawkeye. Because I read The Young Avengers first, and then I tracked down every Young Avengers comic I could find, including The Young Avengers Presents, and read them all. Um, and that segues into Hawkeye, because Kate Bishop is a Young Avenger, and she is a Hawkeye. But that is uh, aside the point. Uh, issue it one. also has jarringly different art when you when you read that issue after reading uh, Hawkeye. It does. It's jarringly different from Hawkeye, but in the context of the Young Avengers presents, which I have the trade for, it's not in that. So you know that that's kind of the problem sometimes when they mix in other issues into runs, and you're just like, oh, that doesn't really fit. Even though this was written by uh, David, uh, 
Aha. It's not Dave, Matt Fraction. I'm sorry. It was not drawn by David Aha. Uh, so the writing is the same. The characters sound the same. They just, uh, it's just not the same. Not visually the same. Cool. Uh, so issue one, I actually um, wrote a whole blog post on why I think issue one is one of the greatest issues of comics I've ever read. <laughs> uh, that we can link to in the, in the comments. Uh, yes. But uh, the thing I love about this issue, not even getting into what it's about, uh, just the writing and the art, is how perfectly the writing and the art blend together to form something that is Clint Barton's voice. This is how he sees the world, both in how he talks and in the art. Everything's in shades of purple, because purple is Clint Barton's favorite color, Uh and, uh, and it's his color. It's his superhero color. Um, and not just that, his color from his childhood when he was a carny, because uh, apparently he had a purple costume and it was really unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that and, you know, he doesn't see himself as anything special. Uh, and I just think it's really, it's just really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a really effective way of, the way coloring changes too, whenever you're talking about the different time periods in the comic. Um, and this is a pretty consistent thing that'll happen, but it's like, if something is a flashing back between the so-called present of the current issue and a, and a previous scene, you'll generally see, it's very easy to see that the setting is different because the color, the sort of the base color of a given scene will change drastically. Um, so I know that in that, in that first issue, you have a bunch of yellow when he's, when Hawkeye's getting injured and then you see it, you know, it flashes back to, to kind of blues and darker tones in, uh, when he's trying to get, you know, the pizza dog healed up and stuff like that. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a nice little way, a visual indicator when you're flashing back and forth between two different scenes. Um, one of the things that is also really, really neat in this comic is how much, is set up from the beginning. So in this first issue, you see kind of the rooftop of Clint's building and a lot of the characters there who you just assume are, you know, extras effectively, but they're not. These people kind of flit in and out of the story as time goes on. Uh, And some of them in pretty minor ways and some of them in pretty major ways. Um, And that's really neat. And it's only something that I noticed on reread. Um, there's and a lot of things like that throughout, not just in the first issue that I noticed on the reread. Um, there's an issue later uh, that deals with um, one of the other characters who are on this rooftop going to their father's house, and they have a weird relationship. Uh, not weird in the sense that a lot of people have dysfunctional relationships with their parents. Uh, and that character says something about, like, but it's family, you know? And that comes back, of course, later. Uh, with Clint and his own brother. And so it's just kind of like these reoccurring themes you see throughout the whole thing. Yep, absolutely. Um, so as someone who didn't know much about Hawkeye, too, um, I didn't really know about uh, about the second Hawkeye. I didn't know about Clint's brother. I didn't know about any of this stuff. And so that was always a fun little way that kind of when you're introduced to various things in this comic – you're introduced to them as if it's just like, okay, it's just passing, passing knowledge, but it's easy enough to follow along. Um, 
without it being being uh, explicitly spelled out. So you can you sort of figure out various relationships he's got with people, uh, you know, coworkers in the Avengers, ex wives, so on. So some of those they do spell out, and I love though when he calls Natasha his work wife. I am just like, yes. <laughs> you know, they, they've never been married. She's not actually his wife. But, you know, when it comes to being an Avenger, uh, Natasha and Clint are so close that, that that's exactly what it is. She's his work wife. <laughs> yep. Um, there's also a, plenty of uh, humor, too, where it the comic just it pokes fun at the really the concept of Hawkeye to begin with um, a lot. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's just a guy who can shoot arrows and wears, wears purple and he's fighting with these super powered people um, is kind of silly if you think about it. And the comic recognizes that. So it pokes fun at it. Like, so for instance, uh, Pizza Dog, who is my favorite character, uh, when he gets introduced, you find out in the first char- in, in the first issue that like, as he's getting healed up, that his name is Arrow and Hawkeye kind of looks at it. Because, I mean, how appropriate is that, right? And he looks at it, and he's like, eh, I'll come up with something better. And I like that a lot. Because <laughs> that feels like something that a comic book writer would do. It was like, I don't know, what are the names that we could have for uh, for our dog? We could name him Arrow. Eh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't do that. I do think, though, with Clint Barton uh, not being... Superpowered, uh, and I and I want to be clear on this. There are other superpower, non-superpowered Avengers, but they have things like Iron Man suits, which yes. just make life a little bit easier. Clint does not. He uh, he has nothing outside of his own bow and arrow and his own skin. Uh, even Black Widow, who may not seem superpowered, actually does have a, a form of the super soldier serum in the comics. Um, uh, same with. Uh, Mockingbird and a lot of other of the ones who seem non-super. But Clint is legitimately not super. Um, And he's uh, later even uh, disabled. Uh, Minor spoiler. He he was disabled before. Uh, Clint Barton is uh, canonically uh, deaf, uh, though due to shenanigans of being brought back from the dead uh, and other sorts of things. He lost his deafness and then gets it back by the end of this comic. And uh, there, there's a couple of things that I think that are important about this. Uh, one, it says something about Clint that he is so gosh darn stubborn and works so hard that he can hold his own with superpowered people, right? There's a fight scene in this comic where he's with Spider-Man and Wolverine. And sure, Clint gets knocked unconscious and says his concussions have concussions. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was still a necessary part of that fight. People still call him up for fights. Uh, they need him. And uh, also, Clint uh, represents, uh, in a way, I think, uh, or is supposed to, for good or for ill, uh, all disabled people that they can, uh, or differently abled people that they could still achieve and become Avengers, right? Because even when he's not deaf, uh, Clint is so normal compared to everybody else that he is his normalness is his disability, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when you live in a society where everyone else has magic uh, and uh, you know can jump walls and cling to it, and you can't do any of that, it's it's like you have this uh, unspoken something, you know. You're, you're not abled the same way they are. And uh, so that's also why I think Clint's deafness is important because it uh, 
it brings that even more forward that even though he is differently abled, he is not any less capable of being a superhero just through his sheer will to be a superhero and to do what is right. Even if Clint Barton being Clint Barton, sometimes he makes the wrong decisions, especially when those of female kind are involved. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, going through and like, as, as we're talking, I'm just kind of flipping through the hardcover, which uh, you and I spoke off the air about, but um, they're actually for anybody who wants a, physical set. I mean, I initially read through this entire comic digitally. Did you? Me too. Okay. And then, uh, and we both bought it physically. Um, we both initially bought the first volume hardcover and then you replaced it with the, um, the omnibus. Whereas I just bought the second hardcover volume to, to finish it off. Um, they are very pretty hardcovers and come highly recommended if you end up liking the comic. Like if you read the first couple of issues as single issues and you love it, just go ahead and buy the buy the whole thing because you'll probably like the whole thing. Um, and and on the topic of prettiness, going with the art, um, one thing I really appreciated about the I'm going to go with is probably the editor who uh, did this because I feel like they have more of that kind of control than the writer. Um, in a lot of comics, it's always been really jarring to me when I get to an issue and suddenly there's a different artist and it's a completely different art style. Uh, it's extremely jarring. It's as if you're watching a television show and suddenly you know, they recast all the actors just for one episode and then they go back to normal, to normal actors. Um, because like, artist styles are so vastly different. Um, and I understand that, but sometimes that has thrown me out of comics and made me not want to read them because I'm like, I can't deal with this every other issue being a different art style. Uh, but in Hawkeye, there there were, I don't want to say it was an issue, uh, but uh, David Aha was not able to draw every issue. Um, and, and so instead of suddenly getting out of this very distinct style, David Aha has uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say simple, uh, because that makes it seem too not beautiful and artistic, but just, he, he uses lots of like silhouettes. Uh, he keeps backgrounds like, uh, very consistent and, and more simple. So as not to distract from, you know, the characters who matter. Um, he does facial expressions very well. Um, and of course the coloring is very consistent throughout the whole thing. Um, so when they changed to different artists, they basically had the other artists do their best to mimic his style. And there are slight differences. Um, and sometimes they do real, really good job with it because, for example, um, in What is the Third Trade, uh, Kate Bishop has her own whole set of adventures. Uh, yeah. And so for that, they had a different artist just do all the Kate Bishop issues as opposed to David Aha could focus on all the Hawkeye issues. Or they're both Hawkeyes, all the Clint Barton issues. Um, <laughs> And it just really comes across really well. It's not jarring. Like the first time I read it, when I was reading it issue by issue, I didn't even really notice that much. It wasn't until I was rereading issues because there were such long waits between issues I needed to reread things that I was like, oh, the art actually changed. But it's so subtle and so well done that it makes it seem like it's all one consistent tale. Yeah, no, it, totally. I, I mean, I agree with all of that. Um, I do, uh, and, and like you said, just to drive that home, um, you know, obviously changing the, the, there are some clever things that they do with the artwork to, 
to offset issues. So, for instance, we will get into it a bit, but my favorite issue being uh, number 11, the pizza dog issue. Um, the issue right before it, issue 10, actually has a notable difference in its art from everything before it and the pizza dog issue. So it's like a weird offset. Um, do you recall which one that is? Uh, is the, that uh, the one with the assassin? Yes, yes. It's the one with the assassin. So it's like where Kate and the assassin have like a date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Most um, awkward thing ever. It's like super awkward and they're both kind of talking around each other. Um, but one of the things is that has borderless pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I think it's the only one that does that. And so it's like the whole issue is darker and more filled in. And uh, it, it's a lot less flat um, visually than a lot of the other stuff. And I think that that works really well because it's like, okay, this is from the assassin's perspective for the most right. part. It's um, it's a change of perspective. It's a change how the world is viewed. Whereas David Aha's art is how Hawkeye views the world. Um, who is it? Annie Wu who draws the Kate Bishop um, ones. I want to say that could be wrong. Uh, that that's how Kate Bishop rules the views the world. Versus issue ten, that's how um, the assassin. Uh, views everything. Yes, it is Annie Wu. I wasn't wrong. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. I checked. I'm so bad with names on this kind of thing. Um, and I always feel terrible about it because these people deserve me knowing their names. But I, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk among comic writers about uh, artists not getting the credit they deserve. And, and colorists, too. Right. And I think some of that has to do with what I was talking about with artists changing so much in a single run. It's hard to credit, you know, one artist with, say, you know, the entire uh, Brubaker run of Captain America. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like it's the Brubaker run. There was a ton of different artists. Uh, or at least I think there was. I'm That may be wrong. I don't know for sure. Uh, whereas this one, it's all very clearly David Aha's vision. That for me, it's always been Matt Fraction and David Aha's Hawkeye. You know, like it, it is impossible to separate those two from each other. That's actually a really good. And you're not into this comic, but uh, Saga, you know, which is uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Everyone knows it's Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples because every single issue is Fiona Staples. Mm-hmm. Like that, that comic, you know, it comes out monthly for six issues and then it stops for a while. So that like, and they, they figured out that that's what they can do. Um, and it's a pace so that Fiona can do all of the art and it's fantastic and people love it for the art. And, um, I think but, it's the same with, you know, Ms. Marvel has a consistent artist so far. Um, I, there's a, I really love um, the, um, I can't remember the artist's name, which is my bad, but the Alice Cott run of Secret Avengers has consistent art. And to me, that makes it very clear that this is a partnership. Uh, and uh, whereas some of the others, I just like, for example, I really love Journey into Mystery, the Kieran Gillen run, but I can't credit that to any single artist because there's so many different artists on that, that it's hard mm-hmm. to say it was Kieran Gillen and so-and-so. It's like, no. It was just Kieran yeah. Gillen and an assembly of artists. So I guess, I mean, basically for anything that needs to be a continual monthly run, it's really hard. Essentially, artists sort of get the short stick because their task is just inherently more time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard to be like, <laughs> every month I want you to draw, uh, what is it, like 17 pages. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot Oof. of work. <laughs> that is a ton of work. So, And, um, and I think that's, yeah. uh, we've kind of alluded to this earlier, but uh, 
the last couple of issues of Hawkeye came out very spaced apart, like crazy spaced apart, six months spaced apart. Um, and that's because I think Fraction really wanted AHA to draw the pages. And that's how long it took is how long it took. And it's to the betterment of, you know, the, the comic, comic itself. Uh, in the moment, it felt like an eternity. And Marvel Comics did what they could to uh, distract us with things like Hawkeye versus Deadpool, which I also really enjoyed. But, uh, yeah, it... It's sometimes wanting a consistent artist uh, can cause uh, delays, which I think is why Marvel doesn't or DC don't always do that. Yeah. So um, do we want to follow along any particular plot threads in this uh, in the storyline and things that got picked up and um, <laughs> things that got left alone? Well, I think first off, let's summarize the overall what is this book about there's 24 issues but really it comes down to clint versus the tracksuit mafia yes the tracksuit mafia or the uh, eastern european bros <laughs> bro, <laughs> bro. <laughs> so uh, the whole thing is clint lives in this apartment building that is owned by this eastern european mafia group that wear tracksuits which is why clint calls them the tracksuit mafia uh, it's never really clear uh, what Eastern European, Russian, vaguely, maybe, um, maybe it could even be like Polish or Latveria, who knows? Uh, I think it, it uses country. that ambiguity to its advantage. Yes. Uh, and uh, they own the building, but then they start upping the rates to basically kick people out. I think the their ultimate goal is they want everyone out of the building. Um, they're not just in it for the money of upping everyone's rent. They, they want to up it so much everyone has to leave. Uh, and Clint kind of illegally buys the building from them uh, in the sense that he kind of just gives them money, punches them in the face, and says the building's mine now. Uh, which is one way to buy a building, I guess. Uh, so now Clint is the landlord of this building. Uh, so he has to deal with some landlord shenanigans in the comic, which I really enjoy. Uh, but basically, the tracksuit mafia don't want him to have this building. And in the process of their fight between each other, Clint also ticks off a lot of other bad guys. Um, Kate Bishop really ticks off Madam Mask. Uh, and uh, there's a whole subplot about that. And in the end, the fight comes down to uh, the Hawkeyes, which, uh, of course, there are three of them. Uh, Clint Barton, <laughs> Barney Barton, and Kate Bishop, who is not a Barton, and against uh, the Tracksuit Mafia, as well as everyone in the building on the side of uh, the Hawkeyes. Uh, and it's just this really nice, nice is the wrong word. It's just this really good tale about... Uh, this sort of event that is completely extra Avengers, as we discussed earlier. And of course, uh, one of the interesting things, too, is that Hawkeye, any of them, I guess, or two of them, could probably totally ask the Avengers for help, especially Clint. But he won't, because, you know, why would he? Well, <laughs> but he, it's, so there's two things about that. There are certain Avengers who are going to help him no matter what. Uh, and you see that in this comic, right? Absolutely. Uh, the Black Widow, a.k.a. Natasha Romanoff, and uh, Mockingbird, a.k.a. Bobby Morse, are always there for Clint. And if he directly asked them, they'd be there in a heartbeat. Uh, and as it is, he asks them to do things like balance his checkbook, because apparently he's incapable. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, spy. And then they even get involved with the whole... Penny subplot, who is this 
woman Clint unfortunately gets involved with uh, without him asking, you know, the black widow like stalks her and all, all sorts of things because they really care about Clint. Um, I have a lot of opinions and feelings about uh, Nat and Clint in a very non, I, I don't want them to be together romantically. To me, they're platonic soulmates. And I would like to see that this comic reflected that as did black widow's comic. Cause I think it's uh, impossible to, uh, to not show that. But I also really like that Bobby, who is Clint's ex-wife, uh, there's a lot of reasons in the comics why they broke up that are very comic booky, uh, mind control, all sorts of things. But they're still friends, and they still really care about each other. Though they, they can't live with each other anymore. They would murder each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's Kate, right, uh, who is there through the whole thing until uh, they have a fight and... Uh, she leaves and then she comes back because uh, that's what Hawkeyes do. They come back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we can talk about, about the way, because, you know, you mentioned the, the balancing his checkbook and so on. I think it's really important the way that basically every single character, when they're introduced, how they talk to Clint um, is significant. So, like, I mean, in the very, very beginning, when you're first introduced to Kate, it's just like, well, clearly he's her mentor, boss, something that she's got a crush on, I guess. It's it's Kate Bishop. I love Kate Bishop because, once again, I'm a huge Young Avengers fan. And Kate Bishop is uh, one of the founding Young Avengers. Um, but uh, she, you know, he calls her nine years old and spoiled. Uh, which is something I really appreciate that to Clint, who is, you know, probably somewhere between 30 and 40 because comic books, nobody right. knows, uh, you know, doesn't, it would be so easy for them to be like, there's a romantic thing between Clint and Kate. And uh, Matt Fraction was very uh, strict that that was not going to happen because that would be creepy. Uh, so it's nice to see that it, that is uh, treated that way. Clint sees her as a little girl because to him, now, at his age, a 19-year-old is a little girl. Um, but Kate does kind of have a crush on him because he's her hero. And he's been her right, hero absolutely. since she was a little girl. Uh, so it's very much kind of a hero worship crush that she doesn't, like, ever act on. And she treats him, you know, not necessarily like a hero. <laughs> and I think one of the things, too, is she doesn't really have it much more together than he than he does, which is kind of great um like i guess when you compare them side by side it sure feels like it but then once she's on her own she really doesn't um which is funny to me well i mean she's a a rich girl who's always had everything provided for her and while she's right. trying to break out of that both in the young avengers and here uh before she goes to la she's you know when she smashes her purple bug uh, saving Clint's butt in one of these. Uh, she has a new purple bug like two issues later. Because uh, that's what daddy does. He buys new yep. purple bugs. <laughs> <laughs> when, um, you're, when you're Mr. Bishop, who is apparently ridiculously wealthy. Yep. Um, I do think uh, also whenever they show them doing archery, especially early on when you're being introduced to them in this particular comic, uh, you're introduced to sort of the fact that this is not a superpower. It's a human element that they've had to train a lot for. Um, like there's a lot of concentration that goes into it. Whereas, you know, whenever you're introduced to 
somebody with a superpower like Spider-Man. It's like, ooh, Spidey senses tingling. Then I react and do whatever. Um, whereas with this, when they're training and they're, you know, you see them training and shooting targets, you know, you see Clint mess up when he's off his game and you see, um, and you kind of, he walks through the mental thinking of how he shoots, which is, which is cool. Um, but then, uh, and you see the sort of the two of them talk about, talk around the shooting too, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, you know, they're always paying attention cause they both know how difficult this is. Whereas everybody else has some kind of supernatural aid. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lots of, lots of things involved in, in their relationship that, because they are kind of, uh, in this, they're both used to fighting alongside people who have special abilities that they don't. Yes. Kate is the only young Avenger without a superpower. Um, and, uh, Clint is the only Avenger without anything (laughs) except boomerang arrows, which we cannot (laughs) underestimate the importance. Respect the gear, man. Respect the gear. I mean, if anything, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender taught us that boomerangs of any kind are very important, and they always come back. Is there some symbolism with the non-powered members of the team having boomerangs? (laughs) (laughs) This seems like a theme to explore in the future. (laughs) The boomerang as a... Ooh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a whole thesis in there somewhere. (laughs) So uh, why don't we talk about your favorite issue, Michael? Okay, so my favorite issue is issue 11, the pizza dog issue. Pizza um, dog. And so, you know, pizza dog is rescued in the first issue by Clint from the tracksuit mafia. Um, and in this issue, you open up, and, and none of us knew that this was coming as far as I was aware. No. I mean, we knew that there was a pizza dog issue, but we didn't know what that meant. Like, all we had seen, I had seen the cover ahead of time. But the day it came out, I was reading it. And the entire comic is written from the perspective of this dog, uh, which is just amazing and lovely. And you go and you you read it and there is very, very little in the way of actual text because dogs don't understand much uh, in terms of words. They understand a few words here and there. So when characters are talking, so say Kate and Clint are arguing, you see a bunch of gibberish with like their names and a few very specific things. So like uh, I'm looking at the first few panels of it and you see the words, what me help Kate don't and bad stand out and everything else is on, you know, you can't, you can't understand them. And that makes sense. Cause you feel like, you know, the dog will understand words. It was taught to understand directed it himself. And otherwise, why would he know what these words mean? And so he's just sitting there kind of watching these two people argue at each other uh, and whenever he looks at the characters, he sort of has these identity diagrams about them. Like he looks at Clint and he sees coffee and a Hawkeye mug and dog food because Clint's the one who makes him dog food and arrows. And then you see when he looks at, um, at Kate, you see a different coffee mug and flowers and pizza because I guess she gives him pizza and, uh, and so on. And like, and there's a little heart logo because I guess she's the one who's more affectionate. So, uh, which is just her. lovely. Yeah. He, he loves her and he does this with everybody. Like as he's walking by doors, you can see like it has a little thing to show that he's using his sense of smell to identify who's behind each door. And then you see a little diagram that he's got in his head about what each person is, um, including when he walks by Grill's apartment and finds that Grill isn't there. 
I like uh, when he um so he saves Barney, which is actually the first time Barney is in this comic, uh, which I didn't appreciate the first time I read it. I didn't know who that was. Um, and uh, I, I know Barney Barton was a person who existed. I, I didn't know that that's who it was alluding to. Uh, but when he sees Barney um, and smells him, it's a symbol where it's Barney's face with a kind of like estimated equal sign, Clint, question mark? <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, oh, it makes so much sense now because that's that's Clint's brother, and Pizza Dog would be able to smell that they smell the same, uh, and it's just it's so clever. And also when he sees his uh, the tracksuit mafia bros who used to own him, uh, you know, it's got bad symbols, and he doesn't like them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's just it's really interesting the way that basically this entire thing goes through. You see this entire comic just go panel to panel with no text. Although you do see one of the tracksuit mafia people call him arrow. Mm. Um, and he, he knows that word because you know, it used to be his name. I really like that. He knows the word ex-wife. I want to know why he knows that word. Does he just know <laughs> it's a bad word that when people say it, they get angry because the tracksuit mafia guys had ex-wives too. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's also interesting about this comic is it kind of sets up the next several comics, which are, um, a series of comics that take place over the same time period from different people's perspectives. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that is kind of a thing that's, I mean, as you said, it's, it's next several issues and it's, uh, it's leaned on pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, seeing this entire thing from, I don't know how many times I've gone back through the, the pizza dog issue. Um, it's also the, the pizza dog issue is the first time that you, or is when you find out that the old lady in the apartment building is actually on the tracksuit mafia side, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, makes a lot of sense when you go back to the very first issue and you see that she's the one giving Clint crap on the rooftop and everybody else is kind of just getting along. Uh, So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. There's just, there's a whole lot to unpack there. I really want all of the full pages, like every single full page of this issue I would love as a poster. Like the ones that don't have multiple panels, but are just single pages with pizza dog running through the issue or a bunch of his little icons in places. I, it's just full of poster quality artwork. Pizza dog is best dog. He's pizza dog is best dog. He totally my favorite, favorite uh, thing. And then of course, at the end of the issue, he leaves with Kate because. Cause Kate leaves Clint. And at this point, when we first read this issue, we didn't know why. Right. They had some sort of argument, but since we only have stuff from Pizza Dog's perspective, we don't know what they're arguing about. Right. And it's a great way to lead into the next thing because you're like, wait, but what happened? Like, I understand that they argued, but what what has her leaving and driving all the way to L.A.? So. Then the um, next issue is from Barney's perspective. And we get a little Barney Clint backstory and you just want to break your heart and, you know, cry forever. Yes, absolutely. Um, So tell us about that. So I really love the Barton bros. Uh, But the thing about them is their past is not good. Uh, And it's not just not good in the sense that they had an abusive father who uh, drunk drove and killed their mother and himself. And so they had to go to um, uh, an orphanage and then they ran away from the orphanage and joined the circus. That's bad enough, right? Like that's bad enough for anyone. Uh, But Barney and Clint themselves have a bad relationship history in Marvel Comics. Uh, And some of that is explored here, and some of it is uh, not. Some of it's kind of unspoken that they have this uh, 
it's very clear even here and what they give you that Barney has always been jealous of Clint. Um, because Clint was the baby he had to take care of. Uh, Clint was more skilled than he was uh, at different things. And uh, now that they've grown up, you know, in this comic, it seems like Barney is a bum and Clint, you know, seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, And there's this whole history, like, in the comics, if you go through it, where, like, Barney was, like, the dark version of Hawkeye for a while, and they've just constantly been at each other. Um, But that just makes it all more... Uh, great that Clint or sad (laughs) either way that Clint is always willing to forgive Barney and take him back because he is his brother. And that goes back to the earlier issue with Grills and his father. Uh, So in this issue, they kind of explore some of that backstory with Clint and uh, Barney, uh, you know, Clint teaching uh, a Barney teaching Clint how to throw coins and showing kind of their family life and how their dad was awful drunkard person uh, and kind of how they took care of each other a little bit. And we get even more of that uh, later in one of my favorite issues, issue 19. Um, but I, that's one of the things about this comic is Barney comes back and he's kind of coming back to crash with his brother, almost like not to take advantage of him, necessarily though he does steal all his money but maybe clint stole that money from barney in the first place i'm unclear uh i mm-hmm. but i you know in the end he's like you have this problem i'm gonna help you take care of it and clint's like cool you're my brother that's awesome uh and it's just really nice especially since barney comes back at a point when kate has left and clint has no one he his girlfriend's broken up with him due to the whole penny issue uh which is a pun because it's both an issue of a comic and an issue in clint's life haha <laughs> uh, but um kate's left and took his dog and so clint is at his lowest and barney comes in and uh doesn't save the day but is there for him yeah it's a uh, again clint is a person who definitely needs other people around um and so, yeah, I mean, I was flipping through and finding when, um, when of course, because Clint will frequently blame himself for the things that people do because they hate him. Um, so, like, when, you know, whenever people are killed by the tracksuit mafia, that's kind of like he seizes his own responsibility. Um, and it's, it's a bit rough. But then, of course, he relies on, like you mentioned, you alluded to the ladies in his life who kind of come back and are there for him as well. Um, so everybody, yeah, like the, the Barton brothers, like, you know, Barney comes in at the right time for Clint. Um, you know, it's interesting. Cause I was thinking about, uh, I really like Clint. I really like the black widow. Um, I have a lot of feels related to them. Uh, and one of the things I always think about, about the black widow though, kind of as a, as a trope is she's often defined by the men in her life, but thinking about Clint, I think it's very similar. He's often defined by the ladies in his life Uh, and not just romantically, but Kate Bishop, you know, like uh, these, these people are critical to him and his development. And without him, he can't function. And half of the, over half of the comic is his relationship with them and realizing he needs them and he needs to rely on them. Uh, And if anything, the one man in his life, Barney is the most unreliable among them. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, and I mean, you know, there, there's something to that. Uh, it, it's kind of the uh, the stereotype of a of a 
man need uh, a, a man needing a woman around to kind of keep his head on straight, uh, except that Clint is so out of sorts that he needs several. <laughs> he, uh, he needs more than he needs a, a like a, a chorus of women. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a good word, chorus. Um, I don't know. There's just so much going on, and and the uh, there are so many kind of recurring themes in in the comic, of course, because you know you have Clint starts the whole thing in a wheelchair, and then when Barney's around, he's in a wheelchair, and there's just so much to wrap back as the comic continues to wrap everything all the way to the end back around to the beginning again. Um, so before we move much further forward, can we talk about grills? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely need to talk about grills. So grills, who they call grills because since the first issue and presumably before he's been grilling on the roof of their apartment building. So they don't even know his name <laughs> until later, which it turns out his name is Gil, which Hawkeye finds hilarious because they've been calling him grills. Uh, and, um, He's just this really nice guy who's there to uh, just, like, assure Hawkeye that, like, they believe in him. Except he doesn't call him Hawkeye. He calls him <laughs> Hawk Hot Guy. guy. And, uh, which is great because that's become, like, the, the nickname for Hawkeye now, I feel like, amongst fans. Like, to differentiate between Kate and Clint, there's Hawkeye and Hawk Guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, they have this whole hilarious conversation where he's like, you know my name is Hawkeye, right? And he's like, yeah, Hawkeye. And he's like, no, I, I. And he's like, you. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a who's on first kind of moment. It's, and it's really great. hilarious. And it's in that really great Christmas issue, which I also is one of my favorite issues. Tony Stark trying to fix Clint's DVR. Yes, absolutely. It's just one of the funniest things. And he's like, I could just buy the whole thing and, <laughs> or you know, buy you a whole new set. Uh, but um, Grills uh, gets assassinated. Which is a very, uh, you know, these tracksuit mafia are going for the heart, right? They could have killed uh, Clint, but this was a very, um, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, it was a very cold, calculated assassination of Grills um, to get at Clint and uh, Kate. Uh, Mostly Clint, though. Uh, because Grills was kind of the heart of their building. And so the next several issues, the ones that start with Pizza Dog um, and go to Pizza Dog's perspective, Barney's perspective, Clint's perspective. Uh, I think that there might even be a Kate's perspective one. I, I can't remember, uh, though maybe not, is um, is all dealing with learning about the funeral, going to the funeral and the funeral and how that kind of just like it's really somber and it's like this guy, they uh, kind of barely knew and how much he affected their lives. And uh, one of the things that really hit home with that too is, you know, grills was killed and you're feeling that when you're reading the comic and then suddenly you're not given the opportunity to see the fallout yet because first you're given the, the pizza dog issue, right? Mm -hmm. Where, where you go through and you're seeing everything play out and then you, uh, but you're not actually seeing the character. You're not getting to see the full emotional fallout of the situation with the characters the way that you finally start to get to see in the following issue. And of course, I'm not going to begrudge the pizza dog issue because it's the pizza dog issue. But it was a, a, a really interesting way to sort of extend that tension out um, for another issue. And it's perfect because, you know, you talked of uh, reoccurring themes and we talked about this earlier. Uh, when they go out to Grills's uh, father to save him from the hurricane, uh, and Grills's father is very ornery and old, 
uh, because Grills is pretty old as it is. So his father's even older. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's not happy and he's mad at his son and blah, blah. And by the end of that issue, they've kind of reconciled. And then after the funeral, it's Grills' father grilling on the roof of uh, the apartment building. And that's yeah. also uh, Clint has brought Barney up there. So it's kind of like that theme of closure, you know, coming back to Clint and Barney and their relationship. And it's yeah. just so well done. It is. Um, it, it's really funny, of course, because when you first start reading this comic, you're like, oh, this is going to be a simple comic. It looks simple. It uses simple language. But there's just so much intricacy with the buildup. Um, and there are so many, so many things it delivers on that you don't like so many throwbacks that it will go, you know, several issues before something is hit upon again. And then you just see how significant it was. Um, I feel like you just described Hawkeye though, the man, like he seems yeah. simple, but he's so intricate and uh, you know, he just does unexpected things and you think him, he won't be able to uh, do what he should, but then in the end, it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Hawkeye. So after that, Kate goes off to her adventure in LA, which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> that is, it was a, uh, I, I was really, it was jarring at first. And then you just kind of get into it. Um, she can get up to all kinds of trouble, can't she? Yeah. The only thing I really, in lo I really love these comics. The only thing I cannot believe in this whole comic, in the whole 24 issues, the only thing that threw me out of reading Hawkeye was when she's in LA and she's trying to use a computer and she doesn't know how. I'm yeah, like, that was a Matt Fraction. This is a 19 year old girl. in when was this written? 2014. <laughs> she knows how to use a computer. The internet has been around for her entire waking life. You know, it, she, she definitely knows how to use this thing. <laughs> That was the only thing. Otherwise, you know, she's trying to live without money for the first time ever because, uh, you know, her father did not approve of her going to L.A. Uh, she's kind of run away. Uh, and then she basically falls under the um, protection of these two uh, of this older gay couple, which is hilarious because um, they're like so worried about her. Yes, and she's like, are. I'm a detective. And they're like, uh... Sure you are, kid. Sure. <laughs> and and then, of course, Madame Mask has it out for Kate because much earlier in the, the series, um, Kate uh, tied up Madame Mask and pretended to be her for two issues. Uh, yes. So this whole issue, is a set, set of comics is kind of about Madame Mask trying to kill uh, Kate Bishop. Madame Mask was a, it was a, an entirely different, like, it was really weird because it's like, where are they going with this? And I, I, I'm not going to lie, I got a little uninterested at one point and then they picked it back up and. I feel like I felt that way a lot in Hawkeye where I asked the question, where are they going with this? Yes, absolutely. Um, I just, can we talk about the gay couple a little bit more? Because yes. they're hysterical. <laughs> they are just so, so funny. Um. And it, it's just like the the kind of parental role they try to take with with her is just hysterical because she's just not really playing ball. Um, I don't know. And they really like they did not need her involvement in their lives. No, she comes in <laughs> to try to solve their like it was something silly, right? Like I, I forget what their case was, but it wasn't uh, 
it wasn't anything super. It had. To, I feel like I had to do with flowers and yeah. the wedding. <laughs> and uh, so it, they're just kind of like, uh, should you be doing this? And she's like, I'm a superhero. And they're like, uh, and then she solves their case, but they still like stick around. And uh, is she sleeping on their couch? I'm never quite sure. <laughs> I I think so. I think she's crashing at their place because otherwise, where would she she be sleeping? That's a great mm. question. <laughs> <laughs> Because she sleeps in her car at one point, right? Like, I think there's the yes. one scene where she, like, can't get to sleep in her car. So, yeah. Oh, man. It's just this whole whole situation is just so goofy. And they were such a great little addition to the team. I mean, they essentially play the role that, uh, that Clint's entire building plays, where it's, like, yes. random other people who actually play a much more significant role than you'd think they would. And who take much better care of her than Clint does, because Clint is not much of a father figure. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but in the end, uh, you know, there's all this other stuff going on with Clint in uh, Brooklyn. And uh, they, she comes back, you know, despite their differences, despite the argument they had. Uh, she knows that she's got to come back to help Clint, that this is part of what being a Hawkeye is. Yeah. <laughs> like long Sorry, time. I had a thought and I just lost it completely. I was about to comment and then I just had nothing. <laughs> I I really love, uh, can we talk about Hawkeye-isms for a moment? Yes, yes, we can. Uh, Hawkeye has certain uh, vocabulary ticks in this comic that are just so great and so Hawkeye. And of course, the the... The most common one is um, ah, object, no. Yes. Like, ah, coffee, no. Ah, pants, no. And it's just so, like, I don't know, so descriptive of Clint, I feel like. Like, the thing happens, and he's just like, ah, no. <laughs> yes. And there's the the, curse, the cursing that both Hawkeyes use, uh, futzing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, futzing is great. It's just, it's so doofy sounding and then when so. hawkeye summarizes what someone he doesn't understand is saying uh or when he uh they interject uh what is it a guy will call kate a presumably uh bad word and instead of like even just doing the comic book uh uh you know special characters they'll be like insert uh patriarchal gender yes. epithet or something like that. And you're just like, so you oh. know exactly which word he used, but <laughs> it's, it's really great. And you see that even more in, um, when he's deaf again and he's trying to figure out what people are saying. And he's like, uh, something about something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in their speaking bubble. Like they said that, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty great. Absolutely. Um, one of the things, and we, I mean, we talked about, we've talked about numerous times, but I guess we didn't translate it to Kate uh, as much, but um, with Clint, of course, there are various times where when he's fighting the tracksuit mafia and stuff, like clearly he's the best fighter in the room, you know, pretty much any time, mm -hmm. but uh, well, anytime he's not with the superpowered women in his life, <laughs> but, uh, um, but like he'll have these things where even in the course of a fight, like he'll do one or two things that are kind of incompetent, and then you'll have like streaks of competence, like yeah. streaks of, yep, that was amazing. That was amazing. That was amazing. And then he'll just like, you know, do something else. That's super. It, it'd be like somebody, you know, 
somebody doing an Olympic caliber 100 meter dash and then falling on their face as they like, <laughs> you know, right when they stop. And it's just like, uh, and he does that. And so does uh, so does she. Yep. Like both Hawkeyes do that all the time. And it's just really good. like, uh, you know, when she goes in to to raid for flowers or whatever, she's she's being amazing and stuff. But then she'll go in and just like completely blow her cover when it would not have been hard for her to not be found. And suddenly it becomes this like all out fight when she would have been able to pick everybody off pretty easily. And it's it, it's just so fun. Like how they don't think things through mm-hmm. is just so <sighs> I don't know. So typical of them. And it's great. And it, it's like sometimes you get frustrated for them and at them at the same time. But <laughs> uh, but, it you know, it keeps up and it's great. Uh, and I do like, though, again, I, I'm all over the place. But part of it is because the comic is all over the place. And so my my head just keeps bouncing all around. But I love how they keep bringing things back to Clint's roof. Um over and over and over again, it's kind of the uh, the reset point for the the entire book. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll either you'll reset a like a, a small couple of people who are dealing with something, or the entire community will be up there at a given time. You see who's missing, um, or you know when uh, when she comes back from L.A. and they kind of have this uh, and you have kind of a, a scene where all of them are back on the roof again. It's kind of like a, anything major happens in the community or in Clint's life, there has to be a scene on the roof. And it's kind of a nice little emotional, emotional check. Cause you're like, okay, what, what is current status? Look at the roof and find out. Yeah. Uh. I, I also like uh, something that's a little bit meta in the comic is the David aha making fun of himself. Uh, in that uh, multiple times, Clint is mistaken for Iron Fist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And, of course, there's two reasons for this. One, I think both times he's mistaken for Iron Fist, he's kind of like fighting people not with a bow and arrow. So, you know, kind of makes sense. Iron Fist is a street-level fighter who fights with his fists, because Iron Fist. Uh, But also, the more uh, meta level is David Aha did the art for... Uh, a long run of Iron Fist, and in that Iron Fist looked exactly like Clinton Barton looks in here, because <laughs> they're both, uh, you know, blonde superheroes. Fit, uh, they they basically look identical, which is kind of jarring. The art is definitely a little bit different, though. Uh, this is definitely a more uh, focused and mature David Aha, I would say. Uh, but uh, it's it's kind of hilarious that they have uh, enough uh, self confidence to make fun of themselves like that. You get the idea that if he were to draw Iron Fist in this comic, he would just draw Hawkeye a second time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, gotta love. Maybe maybe with a different color shirt. To be fair, that that, that Iron Fist run is great, and I highly recommend it. Uh, but they definitely uh, look identical. So going back to this thing theme of things uh, that one didn't make sense the first time we read it, uh, and yes. we thought we're never going to come back, and then they keep coming back. I want to talk about. Uh, Something we've I've mentioned several times already, Penny. Yes, yeah, we need to talk about Penny. That's true. The bad Penny, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first issue I ever read that had Penny in it, I was just kind of like, uh, "Why is this here? What's the point? Why why introduce another woman? Like Clint already has a girlfriend. Granted, she's barely in this comic, but she is known. 
uh, Jessica Drew, a.k.a. Spider-Woman. Uh, and there's several issues where she like goes away and comes back and you're just kind of like, what is this, the point of this? Like, did they just not know what to write about? So they're like, let's throw in a pen- Penny comic. But then of course, Penny comes back all the way in the last issue and she's kind of critical to it. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of things in this comic that are like that, that you're just like the first time you read it, you're like, what the heck? Why? Why is this here? What what purpose does this serve? Uh, but then you read the last comic and you're like, oh. <laughs> you know, her comic books, her safe, like all of that comes back. You know, was, was she interested in Clint or was she using him? You know, like uh, all of his women in regards to Penny, because Penny runs into him in the Avengers mansion. And that's when we're first introduced to Clint's... Uh, uh, chorus of women if you will yes. <laughs> uh and uh so you know in the final scenes when uh penny leaves uh all of his women are in that apartment <laughs> yep everyone because they know clint barton has one weakness that he cannot see beyond and that is lovely females <laughs> who bang him so <laughs> uh you know they so they have to be there for him in that because they know he is uh, incapable of sending her away. <laughs> and it's kind of great. It really is. Um, I, I think really what comes down to it, though, is my favorite thing about this is how much of a lovable doof he is. It makes this entire thing. I, I mean, that's really kind of the biggest selling point of this comic is just he continues to be a lovable doof and doesn't and that never changes. He doesn't really, like, learn huge lessons or anything. He's just going to keep doing things the same stubborn way he does them. And people love him for it. Mm-hmm. And also get frustrated with him for it. <laughs> he's uh, not Captain America, but, uh, you know, he tries. So I want to talk about issue 19, because that's my favorite issue. Okay. Uh, so issue 19 is... Uh, also, like, the longest wait ever between uh, the issue before it and issue 19. Because uh, in the issue before it uh, ends, uh, the issue before it that concerns Clint, not the Kate one, ends with uh, Clint and uh, Barney both injured on the floor of uh, their apartment building. Possibly dead, but we know they're not because there's more issues coming. <laughs> uh, so, Is that how comics work? What? Actually, in comics, they could die and then just... And then just come back. Come back, yeah. you know. Uh, but, um, so the next comic begins, the, the com- issue 19 actually begins with a flashback, which is kind of a minor retcon, not that it's important, of uh, Clint's parents in uh, in a doctor's office, and they're saying uh, Clint has been deafened. I think originally in the comics, Clint was actually deafened as an adult uh, when he, like a sonic arrow went off in like his mouth or something stupid. Uh, not, I mean, he was saving people. He had to do it, but, um, a very Clint Barton move, uh, to put the sonic arrow like in your mouth to protect everyone else, but then deafen yourself. Uh, but in this there, something happened and he was deafened as a child. Uh, and then of course he's been deafened again by the events of the comic before. So this time, instead of the parents and Barney and Clint in a medical office, it's Barney, the doctor and Clint and Barney's in a wheelchair. Um, and it's really great because, uh, Barney already knows some sign language. 
Uh, because of the previous time. Yes. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot of sign language in this comic and a lot of uh, conversation bubbles that are empty. Uh, and because Clint doesn't know what's being said. And um, one thing I read about this issue, when, so when I first read through this issue, I was like, I feel like there's so much I'm not getting. Like, I don't know what's happening because I don't know what people are saying other than like emotions. I don't know what any of the sign language means and it's not translated. And uh, I, I was just kind of at a loss. And then I read something uh, Matt Fraction said about the comic that the point of that uh, kind of was uh, they wanted the readers to know what it felt like to suddenly not be able to understand the world. Uh, yeah. So you're reading through it and you don't know what's being said. Uh, now, it, later I was able to find on Tumblr someone who um, is deaf and I think actually teaches at a deaf school had translated um, all of the uh, sign language. And I don't have it on me, so I don't know um, what it is. But in context, it makes a... It makes a lot of sense. But even without that translation, this comic is just very... It's basically... This issue is about Clint being in a funk because he's deaf. And he doesn't want to do anything because he feels like he's failed. He doesn't want to try. And then by the end of the comic, he's on the rooftop giving a speech to everybody else saying, we've got to do this. We've got to protect our building. This is our home, our life. Uh, that's not what he says. But... um you know, he basically takes the call up to arms again, finds himself again, even though this horrible thing has uh, happened to him. He was, you know, forcibly deafened by someone else. Uh, and uh, it's Clint coming back to himself that no matter what happens, he will still uh, do what needs to be done. And it ends with uh, uh, them just going at it again, you know, and it's just it's really I really love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, like there's a, probably my my favorite line in that particular issue is when the two of them are fighting on the rooftop and, you know, uh, and Barney says, you can get it all back. And that's like kind of Clint waking up mm -hmm. out of the funk um, just because it's like, yeah, OK. Uh, and then everything else that you said follows. And it that. Um, that page you're talking about, the opposite page, is the exact same scene with them as kids. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it, it's, a, it's a great – again, the, the comic, it does so many great things with referring back to previous issues and the current state, flashbacks. and the current, like, it, It's really big about – big on recurrence, how it, sort of the uh, – <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> it's all happened before and it'll all happen again – Kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of thing from uh, Battlestar Galactica, but uh, yeah, I, and I'm a fan of that. I, I like, you know, it, it's very much a hey, like we can learn from previous lessons. Um, not necessarily that Clint does; he kind of seems to pick up the same lesson that he did before, um, and maybe knows how to react this time. But, but uh, no, it's good, um, and it's also cool um, just in the way that because. Uh, just like artists and colorists don't necessarily get enough credit, um, the people who do the lettering often don't get enough credit. And in this, I love how, because they're trying to have the, like, when when Clint stops moping a, around as much and he starts making sense of what people are saying, so you have the clear panels where Clint's not involved, where you just have the normal text back and forth. Then you have Clint lip-reading, 
and it looks one way. And then you have Clint talking because he's not mute, he's deaf. And that looks another way. And I really like the way that it does that. So it reminds you about kind of the current condition of things. Um, I also really so love when cleverness. he's lip reading and it's clear he doesn't understand some of the words. And they'll put things in brackets like maybe something to do with something. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And then I um, love that the thing about this, though, at the end of it is not only does he realize uh, he can still be Hawkeye, but he asks for help. He calls the Avengers, or at least uh, Jessica, and he says, uh, I need everybody's help. We went out and found a little trouble tonight. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's just like, it. it's the lesson of the uh, the Christmas issue, right? The annual uh, with the, the silly Christmas time show where you have him and he's saying the whole you know, you have this dog that represents Clint saying, I can save these people myself. I don't need other people's help. Uh, but then, of course, he needs other people's help. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and everybody's on board mm-hmm. because he could have asked them this entire time and they would have done it. <laughs> but now it's time. Man, it's such a good comic. <laughs> It really is. I, I really like it is really one of my favorite comics in the last several, several years. And it's just it's so. And I also I, it's one of those things where it was frustrating at the time when there were these large gaps. But I'm glad it's the length that it is because it makes it way less intimidating to go back and revisit mm-hmm. um, and to recommend to other people. Because like, hey, look, there's an entire thing. It's 24 total issues, which is really not that much time to get through. Uh, go for it. Um, versus a lot of other comics that I like, it was like, uh, I mean, who knows? It'll probably be going for the next five years. Do I want to kind of drag you into this? Because who knows if the quality is going to keep up and so on. Um, but, uh, yeah. It's also just such a really well done emotional, emo- on the emotional lines of the characters. It's so well played. Like, at the end of Kate's story arc, we know she's coming back to help Clint, right? Like we know she's in her car with pizza dog driving back. Uh, but at the end of issue 21, you know, after they're on the roof and Barney's hurt and you just see pizza dog sitting there with an arrow in his mouth. Like, I don't know about you, but like, that was like, I felt so like emotional and happy. And I was like, they're the gangs back together, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and of course that was the last part of the issue and then we had to wait forever for issue 22 but uh it was just like it's all gonna be okay like everyone has even though people are hurt like all this chaos is going on uh everyone's gonna be okay they're all here Mm, kate bishop to the rescue man kate bishop absolutely um also there's a thing that we didn't really address early on is um clint is okay sharing the name hawkeye Mm -hmm. Um, which is just a nice little little thing because you know you have. I think there's a common enough trope with uh, with other things where people have like pride in whatever superhero name or thing that they've done is like no you're not such and such I am. But in this they there are times where they just both call each other Hawkeye. It's really great. And, it's like how are you doing Hawkeye? I'm great. How are you <laughs> Hawkeye? And that's really cool. It's a it's a really cool like non. Um, I guess. A thing that it, it sort of defies the paternalistic society thing is like, no, okay, yeah, that's fine. You can be Hawkeye too, right? And she's not Lady Hawkeye. She's not Hawk Girl because, well, she couldn't be Hawk Girl. There are rights related to that. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's just Hawkeye, 
And uh, I think that's that's really great. And I mean, that's what she was in the comics. But in the comics, Captain America gave her that name. Uh, Sorry. In the Young Avengers comics. These are all comics. In the Young Avengers comics, Captain America gave her that name. Because at the time, Hawkeye was dead. Uh, But now Hawkeye is back. And he's like, you deserve that name too. We both deserve that name. We're both Hawkeyes. It's great. It'll be fine. Uh, And I just really... I really love that, you know, and it's kind of kind of like how now in the comics, you know, there's Captain America, Steve Rogers, and there's also Captain America, uh, Sam Wilson. And that's OK. You can have two guys be Captain America. You can have a guy and a girl be Hawkeye, you know, like these names are greater than the characters are uh, kind of like yep. Batman. Right. Like, absolutely. In the few yeah, issues it, it, where Batman dies and someone else takes up the mantle, it's still Batman. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. The symbol matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, the symbol matters. I mean, what maybe the person who started it should be proud of is that they created the symbol because the symbol itself has become greater than they are. And that's worth something. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, highly recommend it to anybody who, because it's the kind of thing too, where if you d- decided to listen to all of this without having read it and we spoiled a whole bunch, still entirely worth reading from beginning to end. We, I mean, there are so many issues we've barely touched on that there is still going to be so much surprises and fun and uh, wonder in these comic issues. And if you didn't love Clint Barton before you start reading this, you will love him by the end. Absolutely. Or at least this particular version of it. This is the one been, true version of Clint Barton. It is. It is the one true version. <laughs> this is going to always be Hawkeye in my heart. You know, which um, it, the so... Uh, Speaking of versions of Clint Barton, I think there's something to be said about how comics Clint Barton uh, differs from movie Clint Barton. Because maybe if you've been listening to this and your only exposure to Clint Barton is the movies, you're like, what? Clint Barton? A lovable doofus? What? I thought he had a wife. Doesn't he have a wife and kids? (laughs) (laughs) He's very different in the movies. And I like him in the movies. But can you imagine a short, you know, 12-episode or, you know, a single season TV show on, based on this comic. That's all I want in life. That, that would be amazing. But it would really need to be just make a single, a single show. Like a one-season show on this comic would be fantastic, I think. You know, or could be fantastic. before uh, Civil War came out, not Civil War, Age of Ultron, <laughs> you, you know, Clint Barton is not in uh, The Winter Soldier. And uh, there were... Uh, reasons for that in the they, originally he was supposed to be in it and then they wrote him out because it just didn't work out in the script uh but uh you know if you think about it you're like wait doesn't clint work for shield shouldn't he have been in this movie so uh you know and now you can rationalize it well he was probably on his farm who knows if he even has cell phone reception out there but the uh leading fan theory was always going off of this clint barton that he uh, forgot to charge his cell phone and he was just sleeping in his apartment the whole time uh, and you know, at the end he wakes up and he has like 25 messages from Nat and is like, Oh, did something happen? <laughs> because you know, winter soldier actually takes place over a very short period of time. Uh, right. And, uh, cause up to that point, we really didn't know much about Clint Barton in the movies. And then of course, age of Ultron, uh, made the choices it did, which I, I love that version of Clint Barton too. Cause I love Hawkeye and almost every version of Hawkeye. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is my preferred Hawkeye. The Hawkeye, who's a little bit doofus, who, uh, you know, is very good at his job, but, you know, not always good at life. Yep. I, it, 
he's much more interesting this way to me. But I, I mean, I don't really have much else to say about Hawkeye. Like it's a uh, go, go read it. If you haven't read it, <laughs> go read it again. If you have read it, it's better the second time. <laughs> um, yeah. You got anything else last? Uh, not I, let's see. Do I have last thoughts on Hawkeye? I do have last thoughts. I want to say at the end of this podcast, but that aren't about Hawkeye, but, um, you know, read it. It's really great. Uh, you'll love everyone. You'll love Kate Bishop. You'll love Hawkeye. You'll. Uh, it's it's just really really well done. And you don't need to have read anything else in Marvel to understand this. Yeah, that that is a great thing about it. It's completely standalone, and it's great for it. Um, do you have any? I'm trying to think of if I have any like recommendations that leap out to me based on this comic. What else should based you read? On this- particular comic. Um, yeah. I think uh, the uh, Nathan Edmondson, Phil Noto, Black Widow, uh, while it's kind of similar thematically, uh, I think if people enjoy Hawkeye, it's very different, but they'll enjoy that. It's kind of uh, what Black Widow's doing when she's not being an Avenger, except unlike Hawkeye, instead of being a doofus, Black Widow is trying to atone for her past. Uh, and uh, I feel like the two go very uh, well together, even though they're not related. <laughs> Um, let's see. If you like Kate Bishop and you want more of her, uh, of course, Young Avengers. Um, there's basically three hardbacks uh, of Young Avengers stuff, um, but the one that you'll, the most recent one is by uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, and there's a lot of Kate Bishop in that. Um, the most recent run of Hawkeye is not bad. It's definitely full of Hawkeye and Kate Bishop, and they tried to stay true kind of to the heart of how the characters are in this. But um, it's a very different kind of story. It's a S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of story, and then it crosses over with Secret Wars, so it's a little bit weird. Um, but And then, of course, if you like David Aha's art, uh, The Immortal Iron Fist uh, which I'm trying to remember who wrote that. I think it was Fraction. I think it was Fraction and AHA. Um, so uh, definitely uh, check that out. Um, I think that's all I got. Um, I would say that if you like the art specifically and you want to explore something that's it's very different thematically, it's more of a noir style thing, but the art reminded me a lot about it. Um, there's a comic called Who is Jake Ellis? Mm. By Nathan Edmondson. Edmondson. Yeah. I haven't read that yet, but I love Nathan Edmondson. So So, um, I really loved Who is Jake Ellis and the follow-up Where is Jake Ellis, which you really need to read both because one's the continuation of the other. Um, And it – so, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, And the the art reminds me a lot. It's still different, like notably different, but kind of a a flatter sort of look without getting overly complicated, simple color – color schemes and so on, uh, reduced panels or reduced, uh, excuse me, um, palettes. Um, what else? Oh, secret Avengers by Alice Cott. Uh, if you liked how Hawkeye's kind of a doofus in that, you'll like that too. Um, and in secret Avengers, uh, it's kind of clear that with the other Avengers, at least, uh, the doofus is a little bit of an act, a lot of bit true, but sometimes he plays it up around the other Avengers to, um, appear a certain way, have certain things. But that comic's a lot of fun. It's very different thematically, uh, but Hawkeye feels very much the same. And it also has uh, Black Widow and Spider-Woman and that. So if you enjoyed that relationship, uh, that's in there. It also has Coulson and Fury. Uh, so what's not to love? 
Uh, and I'm trying to think because I'm a big fan of Matt Fraction. Um, I'm trying to think of what other other things from him might might be good recommendations based on this. Um, I mean, you can check out uh, Matt Fraction's other work if <laughs> if you're interested. Um, the only other thing I've known he did is did is Sex Criminals, and that doesn't interest me. Which is yeah, not not everybody's cup of tea for sure. Um, all right, any last comments? Uh, not about Hawkeye, but before we close out, I thought it might be nice to give everyone a heads up that next podcast, we're going to be talking about another comic called The Wicked and Divine that, uh, while we'll probably talk about it in a not spoiler way at the beginning, we highly recommend go check that out and read it so that we can talk about it in full knowledge. Though, of course, if you don't, that's also fine. That said, it is a still currently running comic, so we can probably you know, choose to do up to a point in the, in the comic. Um, do we want to go ahead and decide that now? Uh, I thought we were just going to do the first 11 issues. There you go. So first 11 issues. So if you want, uh, you should have two weeks after this goes up to catch, uh, uh, to read 11 issues. Um, and that's a really good initial set. And I think I I give that warning when we don't normally, because that's one that spoilers are a big deal. (laughs) Yes. Spoilers are a really, really, really big deal. Um, and you should definitely, like, I, I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend if you're not sold for the first five issues, just power through for the, through the 11, because that it grabbed me at the end of that. So, uh, yeah. Um, on that note, uh, you can check out the website at Trivially Crucial. Uh, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at TrivCrucial. You can follow me on Twitter at Alhim, that's A-U-H-I-M, and you can follow Mandy on Twitter at Brown underscore Aja, that's A-J-A-H. And until next time, enjoy yourselves. Bye.